Hey, friends. Welcome back to another edition of the I'm in Love With That Song podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brad Page, and on this episode, we'll be doing something a little different. As longtime listeners of this show know, my interest in these songs goes beyond just how the track was recorded or how the song was written or how it came to be. What I'm really fascinated with more than anything, is the power of music to affect our lives, how a song or an album can change your life, how it can pull you out of a spiraling depression or set you on a new path in your life or sum up a whole part of your life that you just can't otherwise put into words. That is the magic of music. I thought it would be interesting to ask a few friends to join me here to talk about the important music in their lives. These are people I know who have the deepest connections to music, who are smart and knowledgeable and articulate and have thought deeply about the role that music plays in our lives. I've asked each one to pick an album, and we're going to talk about it together with you. And then I'm going to share an album that had a big impact on me, too. I expect we'll have some meaningful conversations, and I'm glad you're here along with us. So to launch this inaugural episode of The Albums That Made Us, I've asked Eric Miller to join us. Eric is the co-founder and co-host of the Pods and Sods Network, as well as the host of the Daily Burn podcast. He's one of my podcast mentors and one of the best human beings I know. So let's listen to some records. <laughs> So, Eric Miller, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. One of the things that I'm always interested in is the way music can inspire us, not just to make us think, but the way that it makes you feel in a way that just goes beyond just words. So tell me about an album that has had that kind of impact on your life. Sure. Yeah. When you mentioned this, I didn't even have to think long or hard at all. For me, uh, you know, one of my life-changing albums is Living Colors Vivid. And for a lot of reasons. For, um, I mean, we can get into that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I grew up as a progressive rock. Like, my dad listened to a lot of Kansas. Therefore, I listened to a lot of Kansas. So I I learned about messages in music through that Cheyenne Anthem song for America, things like that. It wasn't, you know, I liked pop music. I have the Tiger and that Survivor and Rat and stuff like Mm -hmm. that as well. But I also I appreciated a level deeper of the artistry, the social awareness and so forth. And I grew up in uh, suburban Pennsylvania in Bucks County near a town called Levittown. Right. And there's, you know, it's a it's a white suburb. Right. Levittown famously, there was the first black family they didn't move in there until 1959. And they made uh, that George Clooney movie about it. Um, so there was there was this. I don't want to say undercurrent, but maybe just because I was a kid and didn't didn't fully recognize the depth or breadth of it. But, you know, there's suburban white racism there. And I grew up with the jokes and that always made me uncomfortable. Like I, you know, as a kid, I probably left because I didn't know any better or nervous and, you know, mm-hmm. peer pressure and stuff. Right. But, you know, as I got older, I really realized like this is that's not good. That's not cool. Right. And. And Vivid came out. Vivid came out when I was 17, right at that age. Very impressionable, trying to define your identity in the world and all that stuff. And 
I was a junior in high school, May 88. And it just, it hit every nerve for me. Uh, there were a couple albums like that, Danbury Network, and then kind of later Extreme and Queen and stuff like that. But, you know, this was really the one that, that enlightened me. It was kind of a milestone on the path of who I wanted to be, but didn't know it yet. Um, right. And then here I was with this record and what they were singing about, the blend of styles, the artists that they are, the men that they are, just representing themselves, not not fabricated, not manufactured, just a truth that that spoke to me. Um, yeah, I mean, we can get into that more, but uh, I could talk about this all day, obviously. Yeah, well, that's great. And that's that's what I'm trying to get at here. We all have music that we love just because they're good songs or great performances or whatever. But then there's the music that just hits you on another level because it has a deeper meaning. Uh, just the idea that it moved you uh, it moved you in a direction in your life that a typical pop song wouldn't. It, it can change the way you think about something. And like you said, you always felt uncomfortable with the jokes, you know, the casual racism. But this album, this music, that really crystallized that change in your perspective. Yeah. You know, one of the great things about Living Color is they're, they cross genres, right? Mm -hmm. They, you know, they're sort of a hard rock band, but they have, you know, they have gospel elements and jazz elements. And it's, you know, I've seen them probably, I don't know, 40 or 50 times. Wow. And I could see the same song night after night and it's different each time. And each one is as good as the last or better than, you know, the next or whatever. Um, so the music they're playing is brilliant, but it was also rooted in 1988, like hard rock. Like I was there. Yep. So, you know, Cold Personality has that amazing riff, right? It's not just that. There's so much more to that song, and it's timeless. And not just that song. And they they would balance it. So you have that song, and then you have like you know the second song is more of a straight pop song. I want to know. Yeah. But then they have you know I, I want to know which way to go to get to your America. Like that is that's some serious stuff, right? I look at TV. Your America's doing well. And then at the end, when he's screaming, it's such like it's a mix of pain and desperation and chaos and rooted in their New York punk roots. Yeah, it's just all there. Just so great. You know, as a 17 year old white kid, like I don't 
white privilege wasn't even a term or a term I was aware of at 17, but I hear that. I'm like, yeah, man, you know, and funny vibe. I'm blessed that I don't, I've never experienced racism from that side, you know, but to hear them talk, just to use their art to convey that message to a suburban white kid, me and millions others. vibe is so powerful but then they would mix it with i want to nose and and broken hearts and stuff like that so it wasn't heavy-handed but it was true i see the fragments of the dreams i used to have and bits of To me, the record, actually the the weakest tracks on the record to me are the ones that are kind of the more lovey-dovey pop songs I don't think are as effective as uh, the ones that actually pack a more political punch. I would but, agree with that. Yeah, I want to know in Broken Hearts are sort of the... But I, I mean, they're good. They're just... They're yeah, good, but I would say they're the weak, the more most forgettable tracks on the record. Right. Whereas something like Open Letter to, to a Landlord just is like oh a God. gut punch, right? Oh my um, God. There's, you know, there's nothing more soulful than that intro. And, you know, right. Corey, Corey goes into flights of fancy when they do that live and, you know, he's got things he hits and stuff, but I've never seen him do it the same way twice. And I've never not felt it every time. And then, you know, it opens with that. And then that bridge on that song is like the heaviest of heavy funk ever. Right. I mean, so incredible.
was also expanding my style, you know, what I appreciated. It sort of opened my eyes to their influences and everything that, that fed them, you know, Bill Withers and Sam Cooke and Marvin Gaye and all that stuff that went into the music that they're talking heads. Even there's a track on here, right? Right. Do you remember anyone here? No, you don't remember anything at all. I'm here, flat on my back. I never woke up having no regrets. There's a party in my mind. And I hope it never stops. They party on. in terms of you know social awareness and, and racism and that kind of stuff it broadened my horizon stylistically and they still do they were also the first band that i met proper as a kid i met them when i was like 18 19 uh i might call some of them friends bless to say that now right but uh they've just been incredible to me and this, and this record just the real milestone so i mean i'm glad i got to speak with you about it you know i can't admire him more for just incredible yeah it's a really strong record i was working at the record store when this album came out and there was so much buzz about this album even in lily white new hampshire there was a lot of buzz about the album and it did not disappoint it definitely has its place in rock history living color vivid a record that had a similar impact on me was sly and the family stones anthology i'm usually loath to pick a greatest hits album for anything because they're they're not real records if you know what i mean but this is more about how this particular music found its way to you at that point in time and for me it was picking up this album i knew a few sly and the family stone songs beforehand but getting this album and hearing all this incredible music together such a great experience my first love was blues and hard rock, but very early on I got hooked on funk. And Sly and the Family Stone was such a bridge between pop and rock and funk. And, and there's so much hope and optimism and joy in that music. It's become a cliche, that line about different strokes for different folks in everyday people. But that song actually means something. It's got something to say. And like uh, a, a universal truth that we should all, it should be a baseline that we should all understand. Why do we even have to say this? Shouldn't we all get this by now? Right, right. but it's constantly does have to be said, you know. Right. I am no better neither are you. We are the same, whatever we do. You love me, you hate me, you know me, and then you can figure out the bag.
at what age did you pick it up? Uh, 15, 16, somewhere in there probably. But, but yeah, this record just, uh, so much of it. Um, the song Stand uh, is such a great track. You've been sitting too long. There's a permanent crease in your right and wrong. I always loved that line. Man, you've been sitting much too long. There's a permanent crease in your right and wrong. Stand. There's a midget standing tall. And the giant beside him about to fall. It's, it's just, I mean, it's an interracial band, which still don't see a ton of that. It draws from pop and funk and R&B, even a little bit of country sometimes, a little bit of jazz. It's Sly, Sly was a genius yeah. um, in, in his time. And unfortunately, drugs and whatnot uh, really yeah. kind of killed that, uh, like so many so many artists that I love uh, never really came back. But in, in his prime, when he was firing on all cylinders, I think you can compare some of those songs to, uh, to the Beatles in a way. And I hate comparing things to the Beatles, but just the idea of where the songs would go and what would be in them and the kind of hooks that would be in, in the songs and, the, and beyond the, the moon, June, spoon rhymes and the typical, you know, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus structure, you know, there's, there's just a lot of great production work and, and it was all coming from, from him mostly with a killer band that just could do anything he needed them to do. <laughs> I love Sly and the Family Stone because they were one of the bands like the Beatles or Queen or Todd Rundgren, all of the artists that I really love. They would mess around with a little bit of everything. Uh, That constant idea of everything was open to them, any style or genre. You can paint with any color in the paint box. You don't have to stick to the dark colors or just the pastel colors. Any music that paints with all the colors available, I'm all for. Yeah, well said. Yeah, that's amazing.
Yeah, I like I like what you said about that record, and it also rings true for the reasons of why I picked my record. Right? It was it was broadening in a lot of ways, like you said. You know, you don't have to just paint with limited brush and palette and so forth. You know, that's one of the things that I loved about Living Color and the bands I mentioned: Dairy Network, Extreme Queen, all those. If you're a ZZ Top fan, like you run out of, you know, they're pretty monotone. It doesn't mean it's not great. I mean, ACDC, right, has mined the same song for 40 years, but it's still a great song. But Right, yeah. But there's the other way you can go, too, which is to just play in everybody's sandbox. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, And I like that you were, I like that you were 15, 16 getting into that because it, it's a great foundational thing to have because then you're open to all the tangents that that would inspire, right? Or all those doors that would open up because of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's music that can draw you in because if you're not really a, a funk or, or soul aficionado, those songs have great pop hooks. So that's a way to, to draw you in. But if you're looking for that, those, funky guitars and and Larry Graham just killing it on the bass and the typical funk horn charts. All of that's in there too. that you just cannot sit still to i don't you know i don't care how how can you sit still to i want to take you higher or dance to the music you know those songs just you got to be a cold fish if that doesn't get your blood flowing (laughs) and that you would have to extrapolate that into hundreds of years of humanity those songs are going to last because they strike a true nerve you know a spirit the ones you mentioned yeah, there's something about about simplifying your message. The first uh, Sly Stone record is a great record, but he was kind of a little bit more esoteric on that record. And when it didn't really sell, he kind of went back and retooled the formula and made things more simple, musically and lyrically. It's a simple message, but it's it that's what makes it effective, is, is that you, you, it gets you right away. And if it's good that you don't just get over the simplicity of it and get bored with it. Like there's something that you can still go back to. It still grabs you every time. Street. 
allow me to speak in a language that everyone here can easily understand, if you right. will. Right. <laughs> or as Sly said, sock it to others as you would have them sock it to you. <laughs> that too. Awesome. Yeah. I want to thank Eric Miller for joining me for this conversation. The Pods and Sods Network has a library's worth of podcasts on tons of bands and artists and subjects. Please check them out. You'll find them at podsodcast.com. You won't regret it. Podsodcast.com. Go there right now. And I thank you for being part of this show. What is an album that's meant the world to you? Let us know. Post it on our webpage, lovethatsongpodcast.com, or on our Facebook page. Just search for the I'm in love with that song podcast on Facebook and you will find us. I'll be back in two weeks with another regular edition of the I'm in love with that song podcast. On behalf of Eric, myself, everyone on the Pantheon podcast team, we all thank you for listening to our shows and supporting them. I will see you next time. Put your